The young man came running out of the church. He was singing to the top of his lungs. He was so excited. He went bounding down the street, skipping all the way. But an old man stopped him. He said, young man, have you lost your mind? And he said, yes, I have. I've got the mind of Christ now. Would you like the mind of Christ? Would you like to have that peace and happiness, that joy in your mind that just lifts you up higher and higher? You can have it. Stay tuned to find out how. It's time to join your guide, Jim Ayer, for an exciting 12-episode journey into remodeling your life. You're going to discover that God's transforming power is real, and He's ready to provide that power to you. Now here's your guide, Jim Ayer, to take you on the journey of a lifetime, an amazing and dynamic experience with God. To this point in our series, you've been studying the desire of God to call you from danger to safety using His prophets and the need for radical change in your life, using the dynamite power of God and the authority of God to accomplish all that He asks of you. Now it's time to apply what you've studied to enable your transformation process so it can kick into high gear. Now I want to share an interesting thought to, that was done by Steve Brown that it appeared in Christianity Today. He said, contrary to popular opinion, sin is not what you want to do but can't. It's what you should not do because it will hurt you and hurt you bad. God's not a policeman. He's a father concerned about his children. When a child picks up a snake and the father says, put it down right this minute, well, the child thinks that he's losing a toy. In fact, he's not losing a toy, he's losing a snake. Now, in this particular instance, this snake is a, is a wonderful, sweet little girl. But if the father says, put it down, it's time to put it down. We need to change our mindset with God to be overcomers. If you were to take an audit of your spiritual life, how would it turn out? Are you growing each year or are you stagnating? Maybe even going backwards, but what's the pattern? What's the goal? What's the vision for this year? Do you have a spiritual plan at all? If you ever hope to go home with the Lord, then you better have one. If you don't have one, then you're probably not going to get there. It's highly likely. <laughs> Every person you see in this world who has ever become successful in the temporal or in the spiritual world has a vision to focus upon and a direction in their life. They're working toward a goal. Dr. Dennis Waitley tells the story of Colonel George Hall, who was a four handicapped golfer before he ended up in a Vietnamese prison. He always played one round of golf in his cell in his imagination, his little eight by eight cell with black pajamas, bare feet, and a pail and a plate of rice. He never went outside, his teeth rotted, his eyes were bad, and he became atrophied and withered. But he played that one round of golf faithfully very well, incidentally, in his imagination. He played every putt, he played every stroke, he played every game that the pros had played, and he played games that he had played over the years. He played it all in his mind. <laughs> it's just absolutely amazing. When he came back, he played in the New Orleans Open. And in that Open, he shot a 76, four over par, right on his handicap. The news media, they were astounded and said, congratulations, beginner's re-entry luck. Luck, he said, are you kidding? I never three-putted the green in five and a half years of solitary confinement. <laughs> this is a principle that governs the universe. It applies to the spiritual as well as the temporal realm. As we behold, so we become. The human mind is wired in such a way so that it imitates what it sees. 
it wires itself, if you will, it, it becomes what it beholds, what it watches. That's why the Bible offers this counsel. Finally, my friends, keep your minds on whatever is true, pure, right, holy, friendly, and proper. Don't ever stop thinking about what is truly worthwhile and worthy of praise. This is why I shudder when we seem to struggle to figure out why there's so much violence today. It's been estimated that we spend three billion hours each week playing video games. Three billion hours on planet Earth, that's billion with a B. And the majority contain violent content. The average child will watch 8,000 murders on TV by the time they leave elementary school. We are replaying violence in our minds just like the POW and Vietnam practice golf. As a world, we are mesmerized by the temptations of the devil. Dr. Keith Ablow is a psychiatrist, an expert witness, New York Times best-selling author, and more. When cop killer Christopher Dorner gathered a huge following of fans who were in support of his rampage, Ablow was asked why people are in growing numbers across America supporting killers and murderers, even creating fan clubs in their names. His response was telling. He said this, Garner such support. Why are people coming out in support of him? He's a murderer. Well, Jenna, uh, unfortunately, uh, our society now is one in which reality is giving way to fiction, uh, such that people are believe themselves to be mini reality TV versions of themselves, and they're vulnerable to seeing somebody who alleges that he's wrong uh, as some kind of larger-than-life figure. They're not able, it seems, right? Many people are not able to empathize with these victims and imagine what it would be like to lose a father or a husband because they're caught up in the entertainment value of a horrible crime. And they can cast this guy as a hero because, hey, here's the script. You're the hero now because reality is under siege everywhere in America. So, so I couldn't have said it better. We are dragging ourselves to oblivion and the devil is providing the material to help us. How much do you want the eternal prize? Are you committed to retraining your mind to win heaven? If so, what will it look like to you? Reading fewer novels? Maybe more time with your Bible? Less time watching TV or playing video games? A greater time commitment to prayer? If you and I are going to be remodeled, transformed into Christ's image, then we must start by beholding Him, by looking at Jesus, the one who is coming soon. You talk about reality. When we stand before the judgment seat of God, that will be far bigger reality than any television program. In order to strengthen your faith, quicken your love, and become more deeply imbued with the Spirit, you must increase the time by beholding the matchless beauty of Jesus Christ. Choosing to do so is the first step to the transformational ladder of getting in that process of, of climbing the ladder of transformation. Even the Roman centurion discovered that spending time with God is life-changing. It was his guard detail standing duty at Calvary's cross. He beheld the events of the day and the manner in which the Son of God acted. At the end of the day, when Christ had died for you and for me, the Bible records his testimony of this battle-hardened man. He said in Mark chapter 15, And when the centurion who stood across from him saw that he cried out so and expired, he said, Truly, this man was the Son of God. It's true, by beholding, we become changed. The question is, 
Are you practicing for heaven? As I thought about this beautiful couple united in Christ, I recalled the text that says that when a man leaves father and mother, he is joined to his wife to become one with her. The first marriage ceremony was performed by God in the Garden of Eden and was to represent the joining together of God and mankind. Marriage should be a beautiful reminder of the close and eternal union God desires with us. We are to leave all others and become His and His alone. As the song says, he gets sweeter and sweeter as the days go by. Because God is the God of love. He has the desire and capacity to make you joyful beyond words. Perhaps at some time in your life you've fallen in love with someone. What did you experience? Now, I'm guessing that because the human reaction to love is universal, that person was all you could think about, all you could focus upon. Everything and everyone else took second position to the budding relationship. Am I right? Having had some experience in both areas, I can say that falling in love with Jesus is far more intense, bringing amazing joy and peace into one's life. I'm not downplaying the one over the other, only pointing out that the relationship with Christ is wonderfully rewarding and fulfilling, superseding any earthly relationship. There are a few biblical examples of that love hunger that will be found in your forever relationship with Jesus Christ. Let me read first to you Psalms 42 verse 1. As the deer pants for the water brook, so pants my soul for you, O God. Continuing in Psalm 63, 1-7. God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. Because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise you. Thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. Therefore, in the shadow of your wings, I will rejoice. And finally, in Psalms 84, verse 2. My soul longs, yes, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. You may be wondering what I'm doing here at the whiteboard. Well, this is my illustration for the day, and I hope you like it. Here goes. Lord, I want to experience. Experience what? There's a big problem because a lot of time in our commitment to God, we put a huge period. We put a huge period and we just stop right there. But I'd invite you to erase the period and then continue on. Lord, I want to experience an eternal happiness with you, an eternal friendship with you, eternal joy with you. But you see, it's up to you. You can put in a period in your life and what kind of life is it really going to be? But if you take out the period, erase everything that looks anything like a period, and continue on with the sentence of your fellowship and your friendship with God, you're going to be extremely happy.
if you've had the opportunity to travel to Israel with a guide and have gone to the top of the Mount of Olives, your guide probably pointed out the chapel or the Dome of the Ascension and said, from this spot, Jesus ascended to heaven. But how does the scripture read? Well, Luke tells us that Jesus went as far as to Bethany, just over the top and down the other side of the mountain. You know, although scripture doesn't tell us why Jesus went there, I think I know. Who lived there in Bethany? Martha, Mary, and Lazarus lived there. Why, they were Jesus' best friends. I think Jesus went there to say goodbye to his very special friends. I'd like you to think about this. Thousands upon thousands of people crowded in around Jesus continually, pushing, shoving, and wanting something from him. But how many people wanted to be a close friend of his? There were not many. Was this because Jesus was standoffish? Was it because he was hard to make friends with? Well, the answer is no and no. The reason is really very simple. Few people wanted to put in the time to be up close and personal friends with Jesus Christ. They all wanted something from Jesus, but most were unwilling to invest their own time and energy into the relationship. They always wanted something from him, but they didn't want to give anything to him. Most were unwilling to work at the relationship. Isn't that why so many people end up in divorce court today? They're unwilling to put in the time and marriage and what it takes to, to make it work? It's really no different with the Lord. Little in, little out. You see, it's all up to you. Jesus desires to become your very best friend and loving companion. If you're having a hard time with that idea, perhaps it's time for a mind transplant. something be missing in your walk with Christ, but you're not sure what it might be or what to do about it? The Review and Herald has the answer. The book Transformation will lead you step by step on the journey of a lifetime. You'll be surprised at how easily changes in your life occur as you focus on the power of God. You see, it's all about God, the God who loves you and wants to transform you. Call today, 800-876-7313 or log on to transformationinfo.com. Jim was a drug dealer, an alcoholic, and a thief until God called him. But that was just the beginning. As someone said, he has lived six lifetimes. He became wealthy, lobbied on Capitol Hill, and was a church leader. But he was lost until God gave him a second chance. People tell us when you start reading Second Chance, you can't put it down. Your loved ones who may be wondering if God will give them a second chance will love it too. Now here's the information you need. Call us or visit us online. I think back to baby Faye in 1984. Remember that little girl had a heart transplant, a baboon heart placed within her chest cavity to keep her alive. That surgery put Loma Linda University, a Seventh-day Adventist hospital, on the map of the world. Organ transplant science has made tremendous strides over the last 30 years, and I'm not sure how many different organs of the human body can now be routinely and successfully transplanted, but I do know that the human brain is not one of them. Transplanting a brain requires a skill far greater than any surgeon here on planet Earth has. But why did I even bring up the subject? Because the Apostle Paul says the secret to growing in Christ is to have his mind, a new mind. I want to share with you what Philippians 2.5 says. Let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. <laughs> yes, we need a, a brain transplant.
We know that Paul is not talking about a medical procedure, but he's speaking of a spiritual procedure. How can it happen? Well, in the same way the creator of the universe transplanted God into a human womb to be born into the world. We need to remove all of the obstacles in our thinking process that continually place roadblocks between what God can do and what you think he cannot do. Well, it's easy to, for him to accomplish anything he wants to. He just needs you to sign the authorization papers for surgery. <laughs> when you begin falling in love with the Lord, the mind transplant starts to take place. It's natural and the inevitable outcome of the relationship. Remember, it's a God thing. It's all about Him. He can make it happen if you choose. Start counting on God and right now, there are amazing things that will happen when you open your heart and your life to Him. But this is a process the devil does not want you to embark upon. Under no circumstances does he want you to receive the mind of Christ. Therefore, the process of receiving the mind transplant will not be pain-free. Those who only want the crown without the cross will have neither. Jesus counseled us this, take up my cross, he said, and follow me. The prosperity gospel that is so popular today is not factual. Does God want us to prosper and be in health? Yes, he does. But you only need to look at Jesus, our example, and you will see that the devil hit him hard and very often, and we are invited to follow him. Keep in mind that God created you for eternity and not for time. Anything you give up or go through in this life will be rewarded multifold in the next life, and the blessings will never stop. The martyrs throughout history always kept this in perspective. They knew that man could kill the body, but not the person who was hid with Jesus Christ and would be raised to eternal life. There are real decisions and choices you and I must make. We're not going to simply float into the kingdom on a wing and a prayer. Since 1849, the Review and Herald Publishing Association has produced the best of Christian literature helping guide people around the world into a closer walk with Jesus Christ. And they continue to be committed to bringing you the very best, helping you fall more deeply in love with your Lord. That's why they partnered with Jim Eyre to place transformation into the hands of every Christian. There's no doubt that your heart and mind will be thrilled as you read Transformation and ponder life's choices in the weekly study guide and spend quality time with family, friends, or your church group viewing this exciting 12-episode DVD series. You owe it to yourself and to those you love, Transformation. Call us today to purchase the book, study guide, the DVD series, or all three at a package price. Call 800-876-7313 or log on to transformationinfo.com. We've all had nightmares at some time in our lives, but I dreamed about having a daymare. You know, that's a nightmare that happens in the daytime. All of a sudden, I was standing on a mighty plane looking at a celestial city in the distance. I seemed to be standing in a graveyard with many other people. Everyone, like me, was looking toward that most beautiful city, a beautiful city like we'd never seen before. And all of a sudden, there was a giant of a man standing in front of me. He looked down at me and said, I just resurrected you. We can take that city. 
Well, a chill ran up my spine because I knew what this meant, and it was not good news. I was in the second resurrection, the resurrection of the lost. If you attend most funerals today, you'll discover that no matter how evil the person was in life, many preachers have the dearly departed sitting in heaven enjoying the comforts of forever. It's just not true. Now that everyone knows how terrible Satan's plan for the universe has been, the Lord will never allow sin to raise its ugly head again. The only ones admitted to eternity are the people who have fallen in love with Christ here on earth and have proven to be trustworthy. <laughs> I want to go home with Jesus when he comes to pick up his family. How about you? Do you want to be in the first resurrection and stand with Jesus on the inside of the holy city and not on the outside with Satan? In order for that to happen, the master worker, with your permission, must remake you, totally remodel you. This reconstruction process is a necessity despite what the devil continually tells everyone. Just so we're perfectly clear on the transformation plan, if you have your Bible, I'd like you to turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 36. I'm going to read a few verses from various locations in the chapter to give you an idea of where I'm going with this thought. Verse 25 says, then I will sprinkle clean water on you. I will cleanse you, God says. Verse 26, I will give you a new heart. I'll put a new spirit within you. I'll take out the stony heart out of you. I'll give you a, a new heart. I will put my spirit within you. Verse 33 says, I will cleanse you from all of your iniquities. In verse 36, the last half said, The Lord, I, the Lord your God, have spoken it. I will do it. I will do it. 26 times in this chapter alone, the words of God are used saying, basically, I will. You see, it's always all about God. It was God who clothed the demoniac on the shore, covering his sinfulness with his own righteousness. But God did not want to leave the old sinful mind in this man in his heart, so he gave him a new mind too. God's justice and mercy to the angels of heaven and to us demand that we begin the remodeling process, the renovation of the entire being. God does it all. It's all about God. I hope you will accept this covering of righteousness offered to you completely free. The Lord invites you to take him right now. Please accept the master craftsman into your home to accomplish this amazing job of transformation. Dr. Dennis Waitley once said, learn from the past, set vivid detailed goals for the future, and live in the only moment of time over which you have any control, right now. It's been said that if you sow an action, you reap a habit. You sow a habit, you reap a life, and sow a life, and you reap a destiny. Your daily actions determine your destiny. Mariah is a wife, a mother, and a child of God first and foremost. She's had her share of problems, but she has chosen to sow a life that will reap an eternal destiny. Mariah, I'm so very pleased today that, to let everyone know that you are my daughter. I'm so proud of you and your walk with God. I want to hear how God is working in your life, transformation in action. Mariah, tell me, how is transformation, how is God working in your life? The transformation action going on in my life is just watching God work every day. You know, so many times I think that 
we can be like the children of Israel and we can forget the miracle that we just came through and we hit the next roadblock and we can get all panicky and wonder, what is God going to do next? God, where are you? And it's just trying to hold fast to Him and hold fast to know that He brought us through the last um, trial and He's going to bring us through the trial that we face currently. And it's just exciting to watch Him work every day um, from the little things to the big things in our lives. My secret to find a relationship with God is to not categorize Him. Uh, God doesn't have like a little spot here in my life or a little spot there. He is part of every part of my life. He is uh, like my finger is a part of me, like my heart is a part of me. He's not just, it doesn't just have a category. He is my entire life and fits in each part of, of everything I do in life, every part of it. Journaling is fabulous because journaling is a way to keep track of the miracles that God has done in your life. Sometimes we may, a year from now, we may forget the, the wonderful things that God has done for us in the year prior. And journaling is a great way to, whether you take five minutes a day or 15 or an hour, whatever time that you decide is best for you to set aside to write down some miracles that God is doing in your life. And then it's wonderful to be able to revisit those later on. And so you can see if there is doubts in your mind ever that God is present in your life and that He is with you, just go back through those pages and read some of the miracles that God has done for you. And it's really amazing to watch Him work in your life. I absolutely see growth now from where I was five years ago in my spiritual walk. And I believe the reason for that is time spent with God. And not only time spent with God, but recognizing the blessings that He has brought forth in my life and recognizing Him at work in my life. You know, friends come in all varieties of close friends to distant friends, but the friends that are really close usually are the ones that you spend time with and I believe that that's how it is with God you know God has a great desire to be our best friend he cares about every aspect of our lives and everything that we go through and the more time that we spend with him the more we will get to know him the more we will recognize his voice and the more that we will fall in love with him and just want to be with him and spend more time with him every day I believe that God will bless the time that you give Him. And once you commit to give Him your time, He will bless that immeasurably. And if you start out with five minutes a day, I believe that that five minutes will grow to 10 minutes. And that 10 minutes will grow to 15. And 15 will grow into a half hour and an hour. And, and the time will grow. And you will grow because of the time that you devote to God. But I believe that He tells us that we've got to step out in faith first. And once we step out in faith and, and give that time, He will bless it. Mariah, thank you so much for coming. As you can see, God is at work in the lives of real people. It can't be explained by science, but transformation is real nonetheless. True happiness is not a location we can travel to, nor is it something we can earn by our efforts, nor can it be worn or consumed. It can only be obtained through a conscious daily choice of becoming God's best friend. When Jesus resides inside of you, happiness has arrived. 
I can testify to that, that it gets sweeter and sweeter as the days go by. Once you taste the Lord and see, you will wonder why you ever waited so long. Thank you.